We all got neighbors, correct? And this morning you have a neighbor sitting next to you. So I want you to turn to your neighbor, and here's what I want you to say to him. You can't stay here. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you can't stay here. Lunchtime is going to come, and some of you might have diabetes, and you're going to be like, I got to go. Like, I can't stay here. You know? And that's the way it is in life. You can't stay here. Oftentimes we want to, we get comfortable. We want to stay in one particular place. But this morning we're going to talk about the need for us to move forward because we can't stay here. You can't stay here. I want to turn to my text this morning uh, in the book of Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. And in Joshua chapter 3, I'm going to read verse 1 down to about verse 5 for you this morning. And really this, I want to set this up. It tells a story about God's people, the Israelites, and they're on this journey. And they're, they're on a journey from, you know, the place they used to live in called Egypt, and now they're moving on from Egypt, and they're going into uh, God's promise for them, God's next for them. And God is asking them to step on now into what he's calling them into. So now they've arrived at a particular place, uh, at, at a river in the in the Middle East, and it's called the Jordan River. So in this particular chapter of Joshua chapter 3, verse 1, here's what it says. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. And after three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are the, and Levites who are carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. And Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. This whole narrative in Scripture starts to talk about the beginnings of the greatest part of the journey they've been on yet. They were camped at a place, the Bible teaches us, a place called the Jordan. Now notice that it says that they were camped. Now when you're camping, you know what that's like. You're, you know it's not permanent. You're mobile. You're camping. You're there for a little bit. So the Israelites were, were camped at this particular place before crossing over. Now the challenge with camping is this. Sometimes you get there and you don't want to leave, but you know you can't stay there. Look at your neighbor and said, you can't stay here. They were camped at the Jordan before crossing over. Oftentimes, you need to understand that before moving to our next in God, it takes some preparation. You know, every time that you want to make a move someplace, it takes preparation. If you want to go camping on May 24th weekend, it's going to take some preparation, correct? You've got to get the trailer ready. You've got to get the kids ready. You've got to pack up clothes. You've got to get this ready and that ready and food ready and whatever. There's preparation and there's a ton of work so you can go and camp someplace and hang out and have fun. Now look at this verse in uh, verse 2 of Joshua chapter 3. It says this, After three days the officers went through the camp giving orders to the people. So the people were there and they were camped in this place. Now, I'm gonna, I wanna, I've got three points I want to talk to you about this morning, and the first one is this point of preparation. I'm going to spend more time on this because preparation is what takes the most time so you can move into the next couple of steps you need to make. But see, here's the thing about preparation. It gives you an opportunity to think differently. Gives you an opportunity to think differently. I want you to think about what I'm saying now, because you have, if you're moving, my parents moved recently from, a, from one place into another place. Well, guess what they had to do? They had to downsize. 
Now, when you downsize, you got to think differently. We have a in, in moms and dads uh, house that we grew up in. There's a, a formal dining room, and there was a we had a big family, so there's a formal dining room with a very large dining room table, and a, a buffet and hutch and so on and so forth in this very quite spacious room. So, mom, that dining room table ain't gonna fit where you're going next. Like, it ain't going to fit. And so it, it provides us the challenge, but also the opportunity to think differently. Preparation is the type of thing that we've got to do. So when you move from a, a bigger house to a smaller house, you got to think differently because you know that you can't stay here. You got When you go camping, you got to think that when you're setting up camp, you got to have a place that you that can set up properly. But then you've got to think of how you're going to pack. You got to think about how you're going to get what you need to, in that place, and so on and so forth. You got to think differently. And now God's people are moving from a place where they are used to, and they're going into something completely different. And God is saying, "Prepare yourselves. You got to think differently. You got to think differently when you're setting up than when you are when you're breaking camp." So when moving, you have to decide some things. When you make a move in life, you have to decide some things. Do I really need this? Do I really need to keep this thing? In my own life, I've moved probably about 15 different times, I would say. And in those 15 different times, I've carried stuff with me, man, that I'm thinking years later, why in the world do I still have that silly little item? Like I, I, I can't be the only one, but I've got, I've got boxes that are still taped up from moves years ago. I have no idea what's in them. I don't know what's in there anymore. I've forgotten. I've got a lot of stuff right now in storage units. I don't know what. I don't know half of what's there. It's terrible, you know. And when you make a move, you got to start thinking differently. You say, "Well, what do I do? I really need this stuff in my life." Do I really have to, to take all of this with me? You see, God has given the Israelites an opportunity to go into some place to do something different. But he's saying, I want you to make some preparation. They have direction and they have promise. And see, God is giving us direction for his church in Canada today. We have direction and we have promise for our next. But we need to prepare ourselves for what God has for us. So it provides us an opportunity to think differently. We've got to start looking at the stuff that we have around our lives and say, is this going to hinder my, pro- my, my process? Is, going to, is this going to hinder me or is it going to help me? So if it's going to hinder you, you've got to say, I'm going to let that stuff go. I've got to drop it. I've got to leave it behind. I don't need it anymore. Do you need stuff really? And like, like, like in life, we drag around all of this stuff. I remember when, I don't travel a whole ton, but... Uh, I travel more today than I used to, and I still remember the first time, or probably the second time I ever flew on an airplane. And like, I had so much stuff in these bags, you know? And I get to the airport, and I remember uh, they tore my bag open, because they don't do it gently, they just kind of tear everything out, and there's underwear flying here and there, and there's all this stuff, and then they pull out this stuff I got in my bag, and it was a, it was like a, a little kit for, you know, a manicure kit or whatever for trimming your beard. And there was a pair of scissors in there and all that kind of stuff. So they took these scissors out and they just kind of looked at me and looked at the scissors and looked at me and looked at the scissors. And I'm like, I'm like what's up? You can't, you can't take this with you. So they threw it away. I'm just like, that's, that's, you just threw away my stuff, right? But they're like, you, 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 can't, you can't go with this. You, th- you, this is going to hinder your travel. If you want to take this, you're going to have to stay where you're at. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a... It's kind of like that in life. There's often times that there's stuff that we want to take with us along our life journey, and, and, and God is saying, you don't need that anymore. 
You don't need that stuff with you anymore. I want you to drop that. You don't need that in your life. God has something more for you, something more for his people. And this is the case here in, in the in this story in the book of Joshua. These people had stuff, and God's like, you're not going to need these camping supplies because you're moving into something different. So are there things that are hindering our life? Our life is very similar, you know. Before we can move forward, we have to leave behind some of that baggage. God has called you into a next. God has called every one of us into our next, but you have baggage. Some of us have baggage in our lives that we've dragged around and around and around, and we've kept it with us, and it's hindered our progress with God. And God doesn't want your progress to be hindered. He wants you to move forward and flourish. Some of those things, I mean, you, you might have a grudge in your heart. Someone might have hurt you. You might have had a bad experience with someone or someone from church even. Who knows what that experience might have been. But you've had that thing in your life and you've held on to it for years and you've not been willing to let it go. You say you have, but yet deep down, when it comes up on the inside, you're like, still makes you mad, still makes you angry. You see, God provides the opportunity to move forward, but holding on to the past will only hinder our progress and delay our promise. God had given the Israelites a promise. You're going into the promised land. You're going you're gonna to dwell in the land of milk and honey. I'm going to give you great things. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be your God. There will be no other gods before me. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm going to lift you up above others. I'm going to do great things in your life. But if you drag this past things with you, then you're going to hinder your progress and you'll never get to your promise. You ever watch that TV program called Hoarders? My wife is a clean freak. She hates that show. But in, in that show, Hoarders, of course, you, you know what happens. They, their house is filled with stuff. I mean, literally filled to the brim with stuff. And they don't let people in to their home because they have so much stuff. And they're ashamed or embarrassed or, or whatever the case might be. What's interesting about that is that in many cases, when you watch this TV show and the camera tells the first shot of the house, the house looks completely normal. They can have a manicured front lawn. It can look like a great home. It just, it just looks normal. It looks like a good place. And we're pretty much the same. On the outside, we look normal. But on the inside... We're like a hoarder's house. We've collected all of this stuff and we've allowed it to attach it to ourselves and we've carried it with us for years and years and years. And we've not moved forward like God has asked us to move forward because we're still carrying all this junk and inside we're a wreck. We look good on the outside. We come to church on Sunday or we hang out in town and we give the old token response in Alberta. How are you? Oh, good. You? But on the inside... We know that our soul is a wreck. So we're like spiritual hoarders holding on to all this clutter. And you see, when we do that, it stops us from moving forward to our next. And church can be the same way. Now this is what's interesting. Not only does this apply to our personal lives, but it also applies to our churches. 82% of our churches in Alberta are in plateau or decline. When I say our churches, I mean the church across Canada. If I was to give you a stat, it would, I'm going to give you a stat that's going to scare you right now. If I told you to guess how many people on a percentage went to church on any given Sunday morning across the entire country, any kind of church, whether it's Catholic or Protestant, wouldn't matter, any type of church across this country, you would probably guess a pretty high number, I would imagine. 
There's only between 9 to 10% of all Canadians that attend church on any given Sunday morning anymore. That should rattle our soul. That tells me that there are people lost without Christ. So in churches, we have to make changes. We have to understand and realize that if we keep doing what, we're, what we've been doing, then our churches will not move forward. If we keep doing things the way we've always done it, then there's no opportunity for the church of Jesus Christ to really grow. We pray for miracles, yes, but God is saying, I've got something for you to do. I need you to move from where you are to where you need to be. And that includes us as a church. It's funny, and in churches, we hold on to a culture that doesn't fit anything outside of the world. I went to one church a while back, and uh, they had an upright grand piano against the stage this way. And pre-service music was a dear old saint, and she would sit there and play just a closer walk with thee. She's, I'm not sure if she's with Jesus now or not, but she was pretty close then. And she would just be there like, Jesus, just a closer walk with thee. Nothing wrong with that song. But here's what I discovered, that the church had filled with just older people and the community that they were living in was filled with younger people. And the church was dying. And that church had to do some major work to turn, start to turn that church around. I'm happy to say that today that church is growing and young people are starting to come and people are starting to encounter Jesus. And, and there's great things on the horizon for that church. But they had to make some changes. They realized that they couldn't stay here. They couldn't stay here. See, oftentimes we, we make it about the songs that we sing. Oh, well, what kind of songs should we sing in church on this particular morning? Well, let's sing the kind of songs that I like. Then someone else says, well, no, 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 I don't like those kind of songs. Let's sing the kind of songs that I like. Then someone else is like, well, what kind of decor should we have in the church? Someone says, I think we should have this color chairs. Someone else says, no, 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 we need to have this color chairs. Someone else is like, what color paint should we have? We should have this color paint. Someone else says, no, I don't like that color. We should have this kind of color. And there's these silly little arguments of all these things that we think about in church when really what we should be thinking about is that there are lost people outside of the four walls of God's church that they're not here yet. They have haven't met Christ yet, and we're getting bogged down in squabbles inside the church when people are going into a lost eternity without Jesus. My friends, that is an issue. God has called us as a church. God has called us into a promise. God has called us into greater things. We can't stay here. We can't keep doing things as we've always done them. You know what's going to happen. You keep doing what you've always done. You'll always get what you've always got. For those of you that understand farming, you understand that when you plant canola in a field, you don't expect to get corn because you planted canola. And in the same way, if we keep doing the same things over in church the way we've always done them, if we never change, if we never understand where culture is at, if we never come up to speed on what we need to come up to speed on, we will never reach our communities. That means change, and it's difficult. I mean, I want you to think about something. The Israelites in this story, they were living a nomadic life for approximately 40 years. They were used to packing around stuff with them day in and day out, journeying around the desert, pack up, tear down, pack up, tear down, so on and so forth. They kept doing it over and over. But now they're moving into something different. God said, I have something else for you. Remember the promises that were spoken. Listen, I'm going to tell you today that when the church in Drumheller was planted many, many years ago, there was something in the hearts of the pastor and leaders in those days that said we want to reach this community for Jesus 
They didn't plant a church and build a church so people could just sit around on Sunday and look at each other and greet each other, although that's all good and that's wonderful that we get to fellowship together and hang out and snack on food and drink coffee. That's all wonderful. But what about the people that don't know Jesus yet? Because that's what we're called to do. That's the purpose of the church of Jesus Christ in Canada. We should be the most powerful force in the nation. We should be the ones that are are reaching out, that we're engaged in our communities, that we are going after lost people for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus died for them in the same way he died for me. The Israelites... For years, packed around this stuff. But God's direction for them was simple. When you look at this scripture, the Bible says that the commanders went throughout the camp and they says, get ready. Pack things up. You're about to step into your promise. You're about to cross over from where you've been for the last 40 years and you're going into something new. You can't stay here. They're moving into something completely different. The thing is, God's saying, you're not camping out anymore. Now, you can choose to camp out if you want to, but God wants you to move on to something bigger. He wants you to get prepared. He wants you to be ready for your next. There's an amazing story in the book of First Chronicles, and I'm not going to read it for the sake of time this morning, but it, it talks about King David, and he makes preparations for, for building God's house. I'm just going to read one verse from that, from that uh, scripture this morning. In First Chronicles chapter 22, and he, David was preparing to build the house or get the, the stuff together for the next season. His son, his son Solomon was going to, be, going to become the next king. And in Second Chronicles chapter twenty-two, verse five, it says this: that my son Solomon is the is young and inexperienced, and the house to be built for the Lord should be great and magnificent, and fame and splendor in the sight of all the nations. Therefore, the Bible says that I will make preparations for it. So David made extensive preparations before he died. In other words, what the Bible is teaching us here is this, is that in order for us to step into the next, there has to be a preparation piece. And we've got to prepare for the next generation. You see, the fact is, folks, that all of us are getting closer to the end. The time is going to come when we're not going to be here. But the testimony of Jesus Christ needs to be alive and well in Drumheller, Alberta. There should be a legacy of young people, of children that are now in kids' ministry that come up in this church and say, I remember the days when the church was growing. I remember the days when the power of the Spirit was moving. I remember what it was like. You see, we have to prepare. Why do we have to do these things? What did David say here? So that the fame of God will be known among the nations. That's why Jesus Christ died on the cross. That's why the church of Jesus Christ was, was created to move in the society and make impact and change so God's name could be made great. That's the whole premise and purpose. So God's name can be made great. It's not so people can look say, oh, look at your church. You've done some amazing work here. I came here when, when Pastor Craig was first here. And he was pretty discouraged. He said, oh, this place was, you know, it was a mess here and it was a mess there. And I, I've always been in turnaround churches and I, all I saw was potential. I was like, dude, this is the most amazing place I've ever seen. And look at the work you've done. This is amazing. This is amazing. You've got an amazing kids wing and the bathrooms are beautiful. Like this is set up for success. I and mean, it looks welcoming. It looks beautiful. You've done a great job. You should be proud of yourselves. But God doesn't want you to stay here. God wants you to get out and reach into the community and bring you to your next. So to prepare for our next, there's got to be the preparation. Let me ask you a question. 
What do you dream for this church five years from now? I want you to ponder that over this next few days. What do you dream for this church five years from now? What would you love to see happen? Do you want to see your grandkids attending church? Do you want to see your great-grandkids attending this church? Do you want to see your children's children to be in this place and worshiping God? Do you want to see the drug addict? Do you want to see the downtrodden? Are you looking? Do you have a heart and a burden for lost souls? Do you want to see this church just coming alive, bursting at the seams? That this divider is is removed every Sunday and the carpet is all the way back and this gymnasium is filled with people? Do you want to see this church reach in this community and have impact within even the, the, the culture, within every business, within this community? What can you dream? What do you dream for this church five years from now? Now, every time you make change, there's going to be challenges. Let me ask you a question. Do you want your church family to grow? It was like two people like, well, I don't know, maybe. But do you want your church family to grow? Sure we do. But for that to take place, we've got to start thinking differently. You've got to think differently. You had to think differently to get this from a typical gymnasium into what it is now. You had to think differently. You had to think differently to get this floor raised out there, to get the kids' wing developed, to get those new bathrooms. You had to think differently. You had to put your heads together. Like, this just didn't happen. You had to think differently. What kind of atmosphere do we want in our church? We got to think differently. What kind of music do we want to play in our church? We got to think differently. Because we've got to recognize that there are people out there who don't know Christ yet. And oftentimes in our churches, we sing music that does not even connect with people outside the four walls of the church. We do things in services sometimes that doesn't connect with people. They don't understand. You'll see all throughout Scripture, the Apostle Paul, for instance, in Corinthians, he says there's certain things that you shouldn't do in church because people from outside will come in and think you're crazy. That's what he says. It's in the Bible. And I've been in crazy churches. I was telling the, the team when I was, when I was uh, doing a teaching over the weekend, I, I said uh, we had two different churches. One was called the Crazy Church. That was the name in the community. And when people started to come to, we had some young people that came to the church and they started attending and the parents were really concerned. They were like, oh no, my kids are attending the crazy church. And it, but, but, but as their kids continued to attend, you know, because the church had a bad name, it had done some crazy stuff in the community and just didn't make any sense. And it never helped the church. And her kids started to come to church and, and they started to grow in Christ and she was seeing their lives turn around. And one day she showed up after we had been in the community for probably two years. And one Sunday, she showed up. And a few years, probably a year on, she gave her life to Jesus. And when she got up one Sunday, and we did these kind of little interview things, and she said, you know, well, I was concerned because my kids were going to the crazy church. But when I came and I encountered Jesus, I realized they weren't crazy anymore. You know? Folks, we can't be the crazy church. Our other church was called the flaky church. I'm not even joking. You don't believe me. We had one crazy church and then we had the flaky church. You know, and I understand that oftentimes there's, you know, we're kind of like granola. There's fruit flakes and nuts, right? Like there's just, you get all of this mix within, within our churches. But God is like, I want my name to be lifted up. 
I'm not trying to look for any special attention. I'm not trying to do anything weird or strange or flaky. God is saying, I want my name to be lifted up. So don't be the crazy church. Don't be the flaky church. Be, be resolute in how you do things. Make sure you do stuff with excellence. Make sure you're honoring the name of God. Lift up the name of Jesus. Everything we do has to be focused on those that aren't here yet. That's why Jesus died on the cross. That's the Great Commission. Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples. God's next for us is to move from where we are to where he wants us to be. And he has this church poised for growth. You're ready to rock and roll. Pardon my pun. But you know, like you're, you are. You're ready to go. This can be amazing. But you've got to start seeing yourself as God sees you. What does God see for your church? I think God sees amazing things for your church. We have to look past our present situation and start looking into your promise. you got to look past where you're at. It's easy to get bogged down in the weeds, but God is saying, look past where you're at. I've got great things for you. The Israelites were camped on the opposite side of the Jordan River. You can look across the river and you know that that's the dividing line. You know that across that river is the promised land. You know across that divide, there's great things. And it looks impossible. But I tell you this, I serve a God. And I know that all things are possible for him who believes. And when the church of Jesus Christ comes together and they start to believe in their heart, man, I tell you, all things are possible. So God has a promise prepared for you. God has a promise prepared for this church. But you've got to get yourself ready. Prepare yourself for what God has prepared for you. Get the church ready. Get your life ready. Get your things in line. Get rid of the baggage in your life you've been dragging with you and hindering you from moving forward in the plan that God has for your life. But that's the preparation. It's the hard work of change. It's not easy. And with that work, there comes something else. There comes perspiration. It's work. It's challenging. So there's preparation, then there's perspiration. You know when you move furniture from one house to another? I hate it. Have you ever tried to move a fridge up a set of stairs? Or a, chest, or a couch that just won't go around the corner? Or it just can't squeeze through the door so someone says, let's take out the window. I've been there. Take out a window? I just want to sleep in my bed tonight with a window in my house. You, but it, it's a ton of hard work. There's stuff you just didn't see it coming. I remember when my dad had ordered us, when we were kids, he ordered us these, these captain's beds. And they were really cool. They had the big drawers on the bottom. And, and we lived in a really old house, but like these beds are the newest thing in the last 50 years in that house. And they could not get those stupid things up the stairs. It's a two-story house. An old two-story house, narrow hallways, you name it. Those things were not going up. That was the plan. Let's take out a window. Okay, which one? Well, the one on the second floor above the veranda. That sounds like a bad idea. So they get a ladder. Not scaffolding, a ladder. I'll leave the story there and let your imagination run wild. No one expected that was what it was going to be. No one expected the challenges that they were going to face, but those things had to happen. It was a lot of hard work trying to push a heavy captain's bed up a ladder and remove a window and get it put back in. And so, like, it was a lot of work. 
It's like packing a house. It's a ton of work. It's not easy. And you're sweating. And why are you sweating? Because moving from where you are to where you need to be is tough. It's not easy. God provides an opportunity to move, but there's the work. There's the perspiration. You perspire. It's tough. It's challenging. And every time you start doing that stuff, people start to make fun of you. Right? Like, I can't tell you how many people went down the road and just pointed as people were pushing the bed up the ladder. Ha-ha, look at those hillbillies, right? Look at those crazy people. What in the world are they doing? But see, they didn't understand the process. They didn't understand what you had to get into. And that often is in, in the terms of, of what we do in our churches. But every time you start to do that hard work, there, there comes the challenges or people are saying, you can't do it. That's crazy. Why are you doing that? That'll never work. And we see that in Scripture. There's a story in Nehemiah chapter 4, and it talks about how Nehemiah wants to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And there's these guys, and their names are Sanballat and Tobias, and, and, and they're, they're making fun of them. They're saying, you'll never rebuild the walls. Jerusalem is finished. And the enemy is whispering and saying, you can't make it. And people start to conspire against you. And people come against you. And the enemy is saying to you sometimes, your church is going to die. You're never going to make it. This will never survive. You'll never, ever reach the dream of rebuilding the walls and have an economic and, and spiritual footprint in this city again. It's not going to happen. I'm here today my friends to tell you trust God press in and God will make a way where there seems to be no way I serve a great God man do you not believe that because I believe it with every fiber of my being I know that God is able and there's going to be people that will come against you but you got to come together as a church and say we're going to do whatever it takes the first church that we got to be a part of and turn around the average age of the congregation was 65 years old that was the average age and it was about 12 or 15 people on any given Sunday when we first started. I'll say 20 to be generous. And here's what they said when they interviewed us to be their pastors. They said, Pastor, we know that if we don't change, this church is going to die. So we're willing to do, I kid you not, here was their words, we're willing to do whatever it takes. And what I found out is they actually meant it. And man, we watched that little church in the mid, literally in the middle of nowhere, a town of 335 people. And we watched that little church in that tiny little village, it wasn't even a town, in that little village grow from about 20 people to an average attendance on a Sunday morning around 95 or 100 people every given Sunday. Because God was at work. And the people said, let's lean in. And when God's people says, I'm not going to make it about me anymore. I don't care. You can play whatever music you need to play. If it's going to reach the people in Drumheller, then that's what we're going to do. I don't care what you do with the carpet or the walls. I don't care how you got to change. Then we do whatever needs it. How loud do you need to crank the music, Pastor? I'll turn off my hearing aids or I'll bring some earplugs so it doesn't bother me. I don't care. Do whatever you need to do to move the church of Jesus Christ forward and reach lost people for Jesus. Do what it takes. And man, we started to do it. Holy cow. And those old people, I've got a picture of a dear lady. Her name was Mary. And we started this conference for young people. 
And it cost us $150,000 of money we didn't even have. And that's another story. And I still see Mary in 80-some years of age, and we had this band up on the big, uh, really big stage shut up on an outdoor concert field, and the music is loud. And they're just rocking it out. And this dear Lady Mary is stood there. We have the picture. And she's looking heavenward, and she's 80-some years old, and she's worshiping the Lord. It was powerful. Because they knew they couldn't stay there. They knew that there were people in that community that needed Jesus. You see, we often make it about us, but God is like, stop it already. Don't make it about you. There are people that need Jesus. So whatever's been hindering you, throw it off. Get rid of it. Forget about it. Move on. You can't stay here. It's a lot of tough work. It's perspiration. I know we often think God should magically fix everything, right? We pray for revival. It's almost like the movie Aladdin where, where there's a lamp and you rub the lamp a certain way and then the genie comes out and you get three wishes. That's not God. God is like, I give you promises, you work towards them. God is not a genie in a lamp. God is sovereign. He has a promise for his people, but there has to be preparation and there's going to be some hard work. There's going to be perspiration. Let me ask you this. If you're praying for patience, for example, there's days I need patience. Is God going to give you patience magically? Or is He going to give you an opportunity to be patient? I found every time He's given me an opportunity to be patient. Life takes work. It's not easy. God will give you the opportunity. God's given this church an opportunity. Now you've got to work at it. You have an opportunity in front of you. What will you choose to do? This is an amazing facility. This has so much potential. I know sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees, but this place is full of potential. You have an opportunity in front of you. You've got to work at it. You have to choose to leave the past in the past. What happened in the past happened in the past. It's over. It's done. And sometimes you've got to step into an unknown future, and that's difficult. It's challenging. The Israelites were the same way. They didn't know what was on the other side of the Jordan because they had not been there yet. The Scripture says, you've not been there yet. You don't know which way to go, but keep your eyes upon the leaders I've put in place, and it's going to be okay. Perhaps you have issues you're wrestling with. Maybe you've been a spiritual hoarder. Maybe you're packing around this stuff in your life. Maybe it's time for you to clean that spiritual house out. You know, when we made a move some years ago from a fairly large home and we started to purge, we just started loading stuff in boxes and stuff that were still even taped up in some bookcases. We started putting it into this to vehicle and just taking it to Goodwill or taking it to wherever, just getting rid of it. Don't open that. Don't even look in there. Forget it. It's gone. Just get rid of it. Just, just get rid of it. And you know, so, so, sometimes, sometimes it's like that in life. You, you kind of got to just take those... Stop the stuff you've been hoarding around for all these years and put it in the vehicle and drive it off to God's value village and say, here you go, Jesus. I don't need this anymore. It's not easy. There's a memory attached to stuff. You like it in some cases. Do you think God is going to supernaturally rescue your church? Are people in Drumheller somehow by osmosis going to show up next Sunday and fill every seat in this room? I don't think so. I think we've got to work at it. It's hard work. But you can't stay here. 
To move to our next, it's going to be a lot of hard work. It's going to be a lot of blood, sweat, and tears sometimes. Perspiration. Thirdly, it's going to take dedication. In Joshua chapter 3 and verse 5, it talks about uh, Joshua told the people, it says, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great things among you. <laughs> consecrate yourselves. Now, that's a fancy biblical word, I know, but that word consecrate, consecrate actually means this to dedicate yourself to a sacred purpose. Dedicate yourself to a sacred purpose. It's a sacred commitment. We did ownership class with some of your people yesterday and, uh, and Friday night and yesterday. It was. We talk a lot about what it means to really lean in and be a part of something that's bigger than yourself and so on and so forth. When God is speaking to the Israelites here, he's saying this, dedicate yourself, make a sacred commitment for your next. Consecrate yourselves. They need to get this. There's a difference between dedication and decision. There's a difference between dedication and decision. A decision you always make with your head, right? You're going to make a decision to go to the local eatery after lunch today, after a service today. You're going to make a decision to go someplace for lunch. You're going to do something. You make a decision. But the difference is a decision you make with your head, a commitment you make with your heart. <laughs> so they say, Joshua says to the people, consecrate yourselves. It's going to be a sacred commitment. Prepare yourselves. Dedication. For tomorrow, God will do great things among you. See, when you dedicate yourself to God and to His sacred purpose, when you take your preparation and your hard work, your perspiration, and your dedication, those three things will do some amazing stuff for you. Number one, it prepares your heart for God's promise. It prepares your heart for God's promise. Because there's an excitement that builds, and excitement is contagious. The Israelites were there, and they're like... <laughs> I can see across the river and I know the promise that was spoken so many years ago and it's right within our grasp. So it prepares your heart for God's promise. Secondly, it gives you a hope for the future. And thirdly, it reminds you of that your past will always live in the shadow of your promise. <laughs> Your past will always live in the shadow of your promise if you lean in with God. Why don't you stand with me? So this week, every head bowed, every eye closed just for a moment. I'm not trying to weird anyone out, but just I want you to ponder on a couple of things for, for this next couple of moments. Would you prepare your heart this week by asking God to work on you and not on your problem. We understand there's prayer requests and needs and all that. I get all that. That's, that's true enough. 
Oftentimes we're praying for God to fix someone else, but really the work needs to happen on us. So would you start this week by asking God to work on you, not on your problem? Prepare yourself. Secondly, work at it. Do what you can do. Lean in. Help this church move forward. Do what you got to do to help your life move forward. If you need to ask for forgiveness, ask for forgiveness. If you need to let go of something from the past, go to that person and say, I've had a grudge against you for X number of years. Let it go. If you've been hurt by someone, just tell them you've been carrying this and I don't want to carry it anymore. That's the work. That's, that's the perspiration. It's tough. But do what you can to help this church move forward and help your life move forward. As you start making these decisions, you're going to find that God is going to lift this weight that you've been carrying off your shoulders. And thirdly, dedicate yourself to God in this church to help move the Great Commission forward in Drumheller. You need to know this community needs you. This community needs a good church. This community needs a church where people come and connect with God and the power of the Holy Spirit. This community needs a place where there's life and hope and health and wholeness. This is what this community now needs. Yeah, we can get discouraged and downtrodden, but that's life. Keep going. Keep pushing in. Keep trusting God.